Okay, so let's start again. We are pretty relaxed in this place. Good morning, church. Fantastic. Okay, we better get straight into it, hadn't we, after that disaster of an opening. Um, (laughs) It wasn't brilliant. So about five months ago, we had a party at our house. It was it was quite a, 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 a it was kind of typical of us the kind of party that we had because it was a celebration event. There was a big celebration on. There was and, and there was a lot of effort that had kind of gone into this party. Um, we had my wife had flown my brother over from France to come to this celebration event. My boys were there, one of my closest friends were there. It wasn't like a massive party, it was never meant to be loads of people there, it was just a select few, but there was a few significant things about it. One was that we, the, the, the point of the celebration, we didn't actually know if it was gonna be successful until the end of the party, which is when I say it's typical of our life, because we started the night not knowing if we were gonna be celebrating or not, and, and so, but we started in faith believing that we were going to, maybe faith isn't quite the right word for what I'm talking about, but hey. And then it ended, the party kind of, or really took off. Uh, there was a significant moment when me and my two boys and my brother are running around our garden, singing and shouting and cheering. And my friend, my close friend is trying to say to us, it's not over yet, it's not done. But we didn't care because Sir Divock had just scored the winning goal in the Champions League final. And, and to Divock, I say that advisedly because in a few years' time, there'll be plenty of Scouse mums going, Hey, Divock, get in here, your tea's ready! Because his name has gone down in all of history. Why am I saying all of this? There is a reason. I promise you there is a reason. But before we get to that, should we say it together? Come on, let's say it in faith. Have we got it up? Is it up? I probably didn't prep you. Trace, can we get this up? Yes, brilliant. Okay, let's say it in faith. I am a child of God, so I'm entitled to all the benefits that brings. Right now, I'm ready to listen to all that God has to say to me and to respond with faith, belief, and to be changed by his word. Amen. Believe that this morning. God's going to speak to you this morning, I promise you. If you're wondering why that I started off with that intro, kind of football related, I know, and, and some of you know I'm a Liverpool fan, so, you know, obviously that was quite a, you know, a nice thing I'd like to do, but that's not the point. There's a backstory to this story, and there's a reason why I started with that intro. The backstory to that story is that, like I mentioned, my wife flew my brother over for this final. So it was a significant thing. We paid for him to come over. This was my long lost brother. Growing up, as many of you know, um, my dad left when I was young. Mum and dad divorced and I never saw him again and spent 40 years searching for him. Eventually found him only to find out that he died unfortunately but found two brothers and two sisters that I didn't know I had and this was one of the and this was only like about this time last year it was about this time last year actually wasn't it probably coming up to virtually the time it happened Um, so this was kind of significant bringing my brother over this was a a big day he's a Liverpool fan growing up not knowing my dad but wanting to find him longing to know him one of the things I knew about him which wasn't very much was that he was a Liverpool fan apart from the odd memory I had of him and I never stopped hoping I'd get in touch with him 
But this, so this day was, was, was significant. We had friends over. It's something that me and my boys do. We love to watch the football together. We kind of win, lose, or draw. We just enjoy it. It's kind of family time together for us. It's, you know, it's a guy thing that we do, and we enjoy it, and it's all great. But on the morning of this day, so there's loads of prep had gone into the day, friends coming over, all of this stuff. And on the morning, I got a phone call. And this is where the backstory to the story, and this is where really the point of it. I got a phone call off, off a close friend in the church. I, I, close friend maybe isn't even the, the right word for it. But someone that we dearly love, that we've known for many, many years. And, and his wife was ill in hospital, and she... she she was, she was facing death, basically, and the hospital were, were asking questions, and he phoned me just, just for advice. It was literally just a phone call for advice, and, this, and on that morning, I, I said to Vicky, I said, I've got to go, and, and, and I went, and, and I spent the day there. That we spent the day there, and, and there was, we, we didn't speak that much throughout the day, me and Vicky, other than just to keep her updated as to how things were in the hospital, and, and but it was, and, and a few comments of, you know, make arrangements because I'm probably not going to be there for the game tonight. I'm going to miss it. I'm, I'm not going to make it. It's the least of my concerns at the moment. This is far, far bigger. And, and it was far, far bigger. This was, this was love. This was a, a, a close friend. This was something really, really serious. And, and someone was in need. And, and everything else just went out of the window. And the reason I say that is because some of you may may know or may say or you know but if you thought about my passions what are my passions I was speaking with another close friend just a couple of days ago and and we were talking and 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 I mentioned to this person about passion and and this person said to me virtually the first thing you said to me when you met me was what are your what is your passion and I said yeah that actually yeah I'd forgotten that but that would be typical some of you I've probably said that to you hey what's your passion it's a great question to ask someone if you meet someone for the first time or you kind of get what's your passion and some people might say my passion is Liverpool Football Club it's not that's the point my passion in life is not Liverpool Football Club my pa- I am passionate about Liverpool Football Club. I enjoy watching the games. I I enjoy all of that stuff that goes along with it, but that is not my passion in life. I have a passion in life, and it's not football, because the passion that I have in life, football could never, ever compare to it. Something like that could never come near it. You could never bring the two together and try and reconcile them. You couldn't compare the two. The thing about football is Liverpool Football Club won't remember me. They probably don't even know who I am, sad as that is to say, as a lifelong fan. I used to go, I used to be well, well when I was younger, teenager, used to go all over the country watching them, home and away and all of that stuff. They probably don't know who I am. In fact, they don't know who I am. <laughs> There's no probably about it. They've never heard of me. They don't know who I am. They don't know about me. They, will, they won't remember me when I'm gone. They know nothing about my life. It's just football. It's meaningless. It's sig- insignificant. Apart from the joy that me and my family get of watching it together and, and, and having that enjoyment in our lives. And the thing is, Some of you, what is it that you're passionate about? I ask you that question because that's what I want to talk about today. That's what the message is about today is what are you passionate about in your life? What is your passion? What is it? What is it? 
Uh, we were friends last night, went out for a meal last night with friends, and, and I wouldn't say this was his passion, but he, my friend was telling me he just bought a Jag. I'm like, wow, a Jag, and he's showing us his car, and it's lovely, and it's really, really nice, and posh, and all of that kind of stuff, and, and the, the thing is that that is a bit of a passion of his, and he's enjoying that, but that Jag won't remember him. In years to come, that Jag won't know who he is when it's on the scrap heap, and it's long, long gone. And some people, you might be passionate about your work, your career may be really, really important to you, you might be climbing the ladder and doing really, really well, and that's great, I, no problem with that, that's a, a good thing to do, that's absolutely fine. But your boss may remember you, but your company probably won't remember you in years to come, unless it's a small family company, maybe, maybe that's slightly different. But they generally won't remember you, will they? Your house that you may be spending all your effort and investing in and making it look beautiful and, and, and paying off your mortgage diligently and trying to get that paid off and maybe you're investing in other property so that you can bring yourself an income and sorting out your retirement and all of these good things to do. Your house won't remember you. In years to come, it won't know who you are. It won't remember you. The thing about all of these things and so many more is that they're all easily replaced. Any one of those things, you could lose your house. You could lose your home and your house, easily replaced. That might sound like a bolt. You might go, what, Barry? Easily, a house, a house, easily replaced. Have you any idea how much it costs, how much work? Listen, a house can be replaced like that. Like that. It's bricks and mortar. It's just bricks. It can be replaced. There's an advert on about that, isn't there? At the moment, isn't there? Just buy a brick every week and eventually you'll have a house. It's quite a funny one, actually. It's really good. Your car won't remember you. Your career won't remember you. What will remember you? Who will remember you? What is your passion? The very word passion, the, the meaning of it, when we, what do you think of when you think about passion? We kind of think about probably the sexual side of things. That's one of the big meanings of the word passion in today's language. If you look up the word, they would talk about that kind of stuff. That's not the original meaning of the word passion. The original meaning of the word passion meant to suffer. The word passion comes from, it was a, a, a Latin word, to suffer. That's what the word meant. It meant to suffer. Think about that for a moment. That's the meaning of the word to suffer. What is your passion? What are you suffering for? What are you paying a price for? It means, in one sense of the word, to die for. Think about that for a moment. Passion means to die for. What would you die for? What are you dying for? What are you giving your life for? This might not sound like a, a passionate sermon and a, a great like uplifting, oh wow that's cool, that's really great when we're talking about dying and suffering and all of these kind of things but actually I would turn this completely on its head and I would say this, that if you've got a passion in your life, if you've got something in your life that you would die for, that you would literally actually die for, it is so meaningful to you, it's so important to you, then you have meaning in your life, you actually have life. If it's the passion is right, I want to talk about what passion actually is. 
more, go into more detail about what it actually means. It is the greatest gift outside of kind of God and, and knowing your salvation and knowing that you are redeemed and forgiven and knowing that there's no sin or shame in your life, I would say it's probably the greatest gift to have a passion in your life. When you really think about that and, and maybe think about not having a passion. Think about not having a passion in your life. Think about not having a meaning in your life. Think about not having something in your life that you would die for. And again, you might say, oh, my kids, I'd die for my kids. And that's good. That's good. Saying you die for your kids is a great thing. But I'm meaning something more important than your kids. Anyone? Something more important than your kids. No one wants to say amen to that, do they? <laughs> Maybe your kids are in the room with you. Maybe you're, you've said over and over so many times, your kids are the most important thing in the world to you. There's nothing else compares to you. I, I, you know, we've all said things like that, those of us that have got kids. But I would, I would ask this question to you. Where did they come from? And again, I'm not on about the sexual side of passion. <laughs> I'm on about where did they come from? Where did they come from? Did you create them? Did you make them? Women, yeah, you, I know you, you'd probably put your hand up and say, actually, <laughs> you're a guy. You've got no idea. <laughs> Absolutely, I created them. You had a part in it. A significant part in it. A passionate part in it. But you didn't create them. You couldn't have planned that. You couldn't have designed the, the, the body that would carry those children for nine months and all of the intricacies that goes into to, to our bodies and our lives that, that mean they are able to reproduce children. What, really? Do we even understand it completely? Even today with all of the science and all of the technology, the doctors still understand? Can, do they completely understand how it works? No. So many mysteries. And the deeper you delve, the deeper you get, the more mysteries are uncovered. The more stuff there is to it. The deeper it goes. I'm on about the passion that gave you your children in the first place. The passion that gave you your life. I'm on about having something in your life that gives your life absolute meaning. Absolute meaning. Meaning, complete and up to meaning. Passion is life. Passion is life. The Bible starts off, or you, you could start off, if you like, with the Bible on this verse. This is an obvious verse. It says, without a vision, people perish. We all know that verse. We probably, many of us probably know that verse. It's been quoted so many times. What is a vision? What is is passion. I want to tell you five things about what passion is and what it means to have a passion. What, how will you describe it? How you know if you actually do have a passion? You might think you've got a passion. Do you really, really have a passion in your life? And the first one is, it's really, really easy. You, and, and this is a word I've learned to be very, very careful about using. A very short word, and, and if you listen to people's language, it gets used all the time, and it should be used a lot less. There's very few instances when this word should be used, okay? And this is one of them, and it is the word should. It is the word should. 
We use the word should all the time. We put ourselves under pressure and stress and, oh, I should do the dishes, I should do this. Really? Is the world going to end if you don't do that thing? Is this really the be all and end all of your life, the meaning of your life? Could is a, is a better word in most situations. But in this one, when we're talking about passion, you should have a passion in your life. You should have a passion in your life. If you don't have a passion in your life, come and see me. If you think you shouldn't have a passion, it's not important in your life, come and see me. Come and argue with me about this one. Please do it. You should have a passion in your life. One of the biggest causes of, of depression, anxiety, stress, suicide in the modern world is meaningless lives. People who don't have a meaning. They don't know why they're getting up in the morning. If you've got a passion, think about this. I'm on about a passion. I'm on about something that you would die for. You're not going to commit suicide if you've got something in your life that you'd die for. Think about that. Think about that for a moment. If you've got something that's so important so important, so meaningful in your life, so significant in your life, are you really going to throw your life away? No, you're not going to do that. We need a passion in our lives. We need something, something in our lives that's, that's so important, it's so significant that nothing else will get in the way of it. The, the word, apparently, that, that verse about without a vision, the people perish. One of the interpretations, one of the meanings of it is about a woman's hair. And, and it being constrained, you know, in, well, like with a, with a hairband or, you know, those kind of things you put on. You, you, I'm, I, you can see I can, I'm not qualified to talk very much about her. But anyway, you know, uh, but when it's unconstrained and it's going in all directions, maybe the wind's blowing and but women, you've been in that situation or guys, if you've got long hair, where your hair's all over the place, it's pouring down with rain, it's, you name it. This means to be constrained. It means to be constrained. It means to be in control of. To have a meaning. To know where it's going. To be intentional. To be directed. It means a dream. It means something that's bigger than you. It's bigger than you. It's bigger than your family. It's bigger than anything in your life. It's a dream. It's massive. Anyone getting anything from this? Come on, give me something back. I, I, be passionate. Be passionate. Was anyone passionate in the worship? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Why? Because it probably meant something to you. I know you could say that the, you know, the chords and, and the melodies and, and they do something, but God created chords. God created melodies. He created music. He made it with, that it would have such an effect on us, that it would I inspire us, that it would move us to greatness. Worship, music was made for worship. That was its sole intention for us to be able to worship God. 
And in fact, a, a songwriter, my brother-in-law saw a, a film years ago, and it was, oh, sorry, a documentary, and it was about music, and it was about some of the greatest composers, some of the greatest producers of music, and one of them, one of the greatest ones, he said this, he said, the very best love songs in the world are all written about God. They're all written about God. They're the best ones, the very, very best ones. The parable of the talents. You've got three guys there and and the master. He says, I'm going away and I want you to look after my investments. I want you to look after my goods for me. So I'm going to give you, I'm going to share out my goods according to your abilities, according to how good you are, how able you are. And he gives one five and one three and one one and depending on the version you read and, and he, he, he hands them out and then he goes away and he comes back and he says to the first one, what did you do with it? And he says, I've brought you a return, I've doubled it. And the second one, the same. And the third one, he says this, he says, I, I was scared. I know that you're, you're, you're a powerful man and I know you're someone to be feared. So I, I, I took the talent, I didn't want to lose it or anything like that. So I buried it in the ground. And I've dug it up and here it is. Here's the thing you gave me. Here it is back. Anyone know what the response was? Shocked me the first time. The first time I read that story, I'm a bit like, whoa, God. I I need to to get my head around this. Because the response is is one of of utter annoyance and and disgust of what you took that. and, And knowing that I wanted a return, knowing I'd entrusted it to you, and you buried it in the ground, you did nothing with it, you literally did nothing at all with it. Passionless, absolutely passionless, no passion whatsoever. We should have a passion. This life God has given you, it is a gift. It is a gift. Your life is a gift and he wants you to use it. He wants you to take the life that you've got and he wants you to do something significant with it. He wants you to take it and he doesn't want you just to bury it in the ground. He wants you to take it and do something with it. He, God wants, think about all the gifts and talents that you have. You may say, Barry, I, I, you might be feeling down at the moment. You might be feeling like you're nobody and I'm nothing and I know loads of skillful and talented people and I'm nothing. You are something. You are significant. You have incredible gifts and talents. If you've just got the ability to speak, you've got incredible gifts and talents in your life. If you've got the ability to walk, if you've got the ability to hold someone's hand, if you've got the ability to give someone a hug or a cuddle or go and care for somebody. You are significant. You are significant. Your life is not meaningless. You have an opportunity to do something great and it's never too soon and it's never too late. Never too soon, never too late. And some of you are feeling like, I can feel this right now. Some of you are feeling like, yeah, but it's too late. It's never too late. I don't care where you are. If you've got breath in your body, it is never too late. Some of you might be thinking, well, it's too Sam Young yet. And I've got, you know, I want to go and enjoy myself. And I want to go and have fun. And I want to go and see the world. You don't know. You don't know. 
Anyone got a, a, a parable coming to mind? There's an obvious one, isn't it? The guy, and he's like, I've got all these plans of what I'm going to do. And God says, you, he actually says, you fool. This very night, your life is going to be demanded of you. It is never too soon and it is never too late to know what your passion is and you only need to know what it is you only need to know what it is that might sound like a bold statement you only need to know what it is you only need to know what it is because if you understand what I mean by passion and I want to explain it really want to go into some of the meaning of it and and so on but if you really understand what passion is if you really get it and and you understand it I'll show you in a minute then just knowing it is enough just knowing it is enough just knowing it is enough sometimes we need to be reminded of it I get that. Second one, second point. So the first point is you should have a passion. Never allow it to be that you are told that it's not important, that you're not significant, that you don't matter, your life isn't meaningful, that you're just here to, to, to be a piece in the jigsaw. You're just here to fill your place in this earth and nothing more than that. No, you are significant. You are significant and God has a plan and a purpose for your life and he demands you. He demands you take hold of it and use it and give it everything. He demands that you do that. That might sound intense. It's meant to be. Anyone? Yeah? No? Anyone agree with that? Anyone disagree? If you disagree, shout out. Said this before, someone actually did. If you disagree at any point, right, please feel free to share. It's not audience participation in here this morning, but please jump, shout out. I'd rather have some interaction than nothing. Second one, significant. The second one is if you've got a passion, right, if you've got a passion in your life, then it should be significant. We're not on about just like, you know, I'm passionate about football. That was the point of the opening. That's not a passion. Football's not a passion. That's not a passion. That's something I enjoy and that it's no more than that. It should be significant. Significant not just to you, but significant to others and significant to God particularly. If you've got a passion, the second thing about passion, knowing that you've got a passion in your life is that it should be significant. We're not on about meaningless things here. We're not on about small things. Now, it is broad in what significance actually is. Significance is a big, big thing. In fact, if you've got your Bibles with you, we're going to get this up. We'll go to John 15. I'm going to read this from here, actually, from my phone. Forgive me. It's just easier today. John 15. In fact, I'm going to read it all. Listen to this. It's autumn at the moment, isn't it? Anyone know? We got out of the car last night, we went for a meal with my friends, got out of the car and there was this big gust of wind and you could hear the rustling in the tree of all the leaves and ready just to fall and to come down. Jesus says, he says, I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. Now I know we're in Britain, so we're not in France or Italy or Spain. We don't have many grapevines around here, do we? Isn't there not a big deal around here? Apart from some of you like to drink them, the fruit of it. But hey, we won't go there. I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. He's using that as a metaphor. You could think of almost any, anything that produces fruit yeah. would work 
in this situation. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. Any, gar- any gardeners in the room? Got to be a few. Come on, any gardeners in the room? What? Not a single one? Wow. We need to, some of us need to get and sort our gardens out. Wow, okay. Anyway, I'm, I'm stunned at that one. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't, I, I've done some gardening. All right? And pruning is really, really important. If you don't prune, you, the bush, it ends up in a mess and it won't produce fruit. And the other thing is that what, one of the significant things about pruning is if you leave some dead wood and, and it, you, you can see dead wood where it's completely dead and that's a problem because it takes up space where there could be a fruitful branch. So dead wood's bad on that one. But also diseased wood is bad as well. Dead wood that's still kind of technically alive, but it's dead because it's not producing any fruit. That's a problem too, because it's sucking the energy out of the plant that could be used in another branch to produce fruit. Is this making sense? He says, he says he cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they'll produce even more. God prunes. You have already been pruned and purified by the message that I've given you. If you're a Christian in this place and you've received the message of God and it's clicked with you, you've had that revelation moment where you've gone, "Ah, God spoke to me there. He spoke to me. You've received the word and that makes you clean. Only believe, Paul said in Romans 10, only believe, confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. They are the two criteria of being a Christian. It doesn't get more complicated than that. It just gets more deeper. (laughs) Yes, I am the vine, Jesus talking. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce more fruit, much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. You can do nothing. If we're talking about significance, right? I'm on about significance in the context of John 15. In the context of being attached to God, of this being something that's bigger than us. It's bigger than us. Without the power of God in your dream, this is one of the definitions of having a significant, a significant dream, a significant passion, is that it will be something that without God backing it, without God behind it, you can't do it on your own. It's impossible. It's bigger than you. You, you haven't got everything you need to do it. It's beyond you. And, and you, there's that kind of feeling within you when you share it with people that they might think like you're getting a bit too big for your boots or you're getting a bit too ahead of yourself or you're just a plain old idiot that just like a bit deranged because how on earth could you do that? That's impossible. That's never going to happen. I know you. You couldn't do that. We're not about significant like that. We're not about significant that it's so big it's so big, it needs a miracle to make it happen. It needs a miracle. It relies on it. And he goes on, he says, this is, I have loved you in verse 9. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. Remain in me. There are times with a passion where you're clinging on for dear life. 
and all you can do really is just hold on to it. Feels like it's lost. But a passion, you'll never let go of it. You'll never allow it to get away. You won't ever let it get away. You'll cling on with your fingernails till your very last breath with a passion. You'll never let go. You'll hold on tight for dear life as if you're hanging with a sheer drop below you. As if this is the only thing that it really, really is. Without this, there's nothing else. I have to hold on to it. I am compelled. I cannot give up. I cannot let go. There is no greater love, verse 13, than to lay down one's life for one's friends. For generations upon generations upon generations, right from the very beginning, from the very first man, people have laid down their life for God. They've sacrificed They've been martyred. They've took risks. You name it, they've done it for God. They've given their lives for God. They've been beaten. They've been bruised. They've been battered. In fact, uh, turn with me. We've got this one as well, haven't we, Tracy? Um, Let's go with uh, 2 Corinthians 16. The intro, I'm not going to go into too much of the intro, verse 16, sorry, 2 Corinthians 11, verse 16, Paul says, I repeat, let no one think me foolish, but even if you do, accept me as a fool so that I may boast a little. He says, what I'm saying is that with this boastful confidence, I say not as the Lord would, but as a fool. What he's he's saying is what I'm about to say, I'm not saying it in arrogance, in pride, I'm saying it as a fool. This is not meant to be boasting what I'm about to say. Since many boast according to the flesh, I too will boast. For you gladly bear with fools, being wise yourselves. For you bear if it, for you bear it if someone makes slaves of you, or devours you, or takes advantage of you, or puts on airs, or strikes you in the face. To my shame, I must say, we were too weak for that. But whatever anyone else dares to boast of, I am speaking as a fool. I also dare to boast of that. And this is the the kind of key bit. He says, are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they offspring of Abraham? So am I. Paul was being criticized at this point. He was being questioned, his authority, his leadership was being questioned. They were criticizing everything about him. He was proved right in the end. Are they servants of Christ? I'm a better one. I'm talking like a madman with far greater labours, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings and often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes less one. It was apparently believed that 40 would kill you. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day, I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, in danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toils, in hardships, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from all of that, There's the daily pressure of church. (laughs) Of my anxiety for for him. I mean, it's bad enough having one church. 
<laughs> I say that tongue-in-cheek, please believe me. This guy's got churches, had churches, got churches. Who is weak? I'm not weak. Who is made to fall? And I'm not indignant. If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. The God and the Father of the Lord Jesus, he who is blessed forever, knows that I am not lying. At Damascus, the governor under King Aretas was guarding the city of Damascus in order to seize me, but I was let down in a basket through a window in the wall and escaped his hands. Countless generations of Christians have risked their lives, and some of them have paid with their lives for their passion. Greater love has no one than they lay down their life for their friends. And without love, it's a clanging symbol. Without love, you could lay down your life and it be meaningless. But when you're doing it for your friends, when you're doing it for people that you love, when your passion is wrapped up in love, when love is your passion, then, then, Significant means it never gives up. It never, ever gives up. It sustains to the end, no matter what the circumstances. Circumstances mean nothing. Because God's spoken to me. And I know. And I know. I know beyond what anyone else may say. I know beyond what anyone else may do. I am not hoping in circumstances. I am hoping in the word that I've had from God that this is what he wants me to do with my life. This is my passion. This is my meaning. This is why I'm here. This is who I am. Number three, it is intangible. You cannot place a value on it. If you've got a passion, you see many things in life, cars, your career. You could put a value on your career. You could put a monetary value on your career, couldn't you? You could say what it's worth. You could work it out. You could add it up. But a true passion, it is intangible. You cannot put a price on it and you can never replace it. Cars, replaced. Houses, replaced. You could lose your career. You could go and build up another one. Many have. So many have. You could lose everything. You could get it all back and more. You could end up with more than you even started with. But your passion can never be replaced. Never be replaced. Nothing can, can come and, and put it in. God may give you different passions through your life. There may be different parts of it. And he may give you others. But he can never replace the one that he's given you. You can never put a value on it. Number four. I love this one. Getting to the end now. No cost. No cost is too great. No cost is too great. No matter what the cost, no matter what it takes, a true passion in your life, you will pay it. You will do anything. It's the kind of thing where you'd spend like 20, 30 hours on something that's like really small and someone else might not even see. Many might even miss it, but you, 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 because it's a passion. It's a God-given passion. You'll put countless hours in. You'll pay any cost. 
You'll do anything. You'll go anywhere. You'll never, ever stop. If you've got that in your life, and here's the thing, right? You'll pay any price, you'll pay any cost, and you'll enjoy it. It's not a cost, it's a labor of love. It's meaningful. In the midst of it, you don't even think about the cost until you maybe look back and you think, wow, did I go too far then? And the last one, the final one, is belief, drive, determination, faith, 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 faith that always hopes, always believes, never gives up. Faith in God. It's a word from Him. You've heard from Him. Faith has three aspects to it. Number one, it comes from God. It's a word from Him. Might be something you read in the Bible. Might be something that stood out to you. Might, might have been something the Holy Spirit spoke to you. But faith always lines up with God. Always lines up with His word. And always starts from Him. Always comes from Him. Secondly, it's always believed. Always believed. There may be moments of doubt when it gets tough and when it gets difficult. There may be moments when it's questioned and you're like, oh man, it just looks so far away. It looks so impossible. It looks like it's never going to happen. Everything's coming against me. Oh, there's people trying to destroy me. You name it. It looks impossible. Surely we can't do this. Surely we can't overcome. But it picks itself up. Keep a journal. Keep a diary. When God speaks to you, when he says something to you, keep a record of it. Because then in them moments, you go back to it. Date it. Time it. Put in, put in something that you remember when it was, what it was. And the last one about faith is it always, always acts. It's never passive. There's always an action with it. It always gets up. It always does something. It always finds what it is it's got to do. And then it goes and does it. Faith without works is dead. So I asked what I asked near the beginning. What is your passion? Do you have one? If you've got one, you'll know. You'll know. You'll be like, I know, I've got a passion. All that stuff you've said, my passion, all of that stuff. Tick, tick, tick as you're going through it. All of them things. If you don't know, you need a passion. You need a passion. A meaning. Why go through your life? You should have a passion in your life. Why go through your life just doing the mundane, just ticking off the days? Who said you have to? Who said you should? I know this. God said you should have a passion in your life. Something of meaning. Something significant. Something from Him. Amen? Amen. Amen. Enjoy your week, guys. God bless.